Hi and welcome to episode number 67 of Dreamers and Doers and today it's a bit of a different one. I will share with you the contribution I did in the book I co-authored with 35 other conscious entrepreneurs called The New Wave, Escape 9-5, Do What You Love and Make an Impact. So I answered the seven questions I asked to all the authors of the book and I hope you enjoy. And if you want to have more information about the book, go to www.thenewwavebook.com. Thenewwavebook.com. Enjoy. Question one. Tell us your story. Why did you start this journey? How did you get to where you are now? Were there any main triggers or something specific that happened? Answer. As I'm typing these words, I'm in the north of Bali, in a hut in the middle of the jungle. I'm on my third day of a water fast and disconnected from social media. It feels good. I wanted to get away and make space so I can fully connect with the depths of my heart before writing these lines. Most people around me would be surprised with some of my life's choices. I grew up in Paris, I attended a prestigious business school, I started working in finance and consulting like most of my friends. I think in a parallel universe there is a version of me that is a top executive in a big firm. He has a very comfortable salary, a mortgage for his beautiful flat and is married to an elegant lady. A very successful young man with proud parents. Personally, I'm not surprised by my life's choices though. I feel like I've always needed some adventure to try out new things. When I was a kid, I was dreaming about being able to replicate myself and live different lives. One would be a successful businessman, one would be a professional swimmer, one would be a traveler. I didn't want to choose. I've overall had a pretty smooth transition from being in the system to exploring travel and entrepreneurship and then personal growth and spirituality. When I was 20, I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. It really pushed me to live on my terms, to always challenge the status quo, see if I can do things differently and better. My need for adventure pushed me to go to Australia. It felt like going to another planet at the time. Now I have a kangaroo on my new passport. I was hired by a startup called HelloFresh, where I spent four years as a growth hacker. Great experience, but I quickly felt frustrated as I knew I wasn't pushed to give my best. I knew I could do my eight hour days in just a couple of hours. But when you work a corporate job, you just can't leave when the job is done, even if you work fast and well. And if you're too disruptive with the status quo, you become annoying. So I started dabbling with side businesses, an online cuffing shop, a marketing agency, an organic food co-op. It told me a lot about what I liked and what I didn't like. I like being my own boss. I like doing things my way. I don't like logistics and B2B. I don't like doing something I'm not passionate about, like cufflinks. I want to do something meaningful and that allows me to have freedom of time and location. 
After HelloFresh, I got poached as a growth hacker for another startup. But it became obvious to me that I had way too much passion and energy to be an employee. So in November 2017, I quit my job. I started to listen to entrepreneurs I love like Steve Jobs and Peter Thiel and it became obvious that I wanted to do something I was really passionate about. As Steve Jobs puts it, entrepreneurship is hard and if you don't love what you do, you're going to quit when it gets too hard. So to be successful and resilient enough, you need to do something you're passionate about. And that passion had become personal growth. It all accelerated from June 2014 when I tore my ACL, a ligament in the knee playing soccer. I had surgery and couldn't do sports for seven months. At the time, I was devastated. In his hindsight, it was one of the best things that happened to me. It taught me gratitude. In the rehab center, I was with people who would never walk again. I stopped complaining and started to be grateful that I would walk and run and go back surfing soon. It taught me discipline as I would be very diligent with my rehab routines. And when I came back to Australia, I started learning new things. I couldn't do sports, so I started improv theater. It taught me to speak publicly, to work on my intuition and to collaborate better with others. Best personal growth training ever. I loved doing something completely new and it unleashed my creativity. Now I've also learned the saxophone and the ukulele. I like singing and as you can see, writing. I'm sharing this because I've never considered myself as creative and I think our society and education system represses our creativity. Now I consider myself also as an artist and I love sharing my voice. It's never too late to start something creative, whether it be painting, writing, playing an instrument. Just learning new skills in general is so important. I became addicted to learning. On top of it, in Bondi Beach, people have a pretty healthy lifestyle. Less smoking and more gym than in Paris. I started to exercise and eat better. So without being super conscious of it, I was already on a personal growth journey. It accelerated again in November 2016 when I learned Vedic meditation and started to practice every day. I also started to listen to audiobooks like The Power of Now, Sapiens, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It opened my mind to the fact that life was way more than I thought it was. A bit scary but mainly exciting. Another big milestone was when I decided to take LSD for the first time in November 2017. We went on a weekend trip and it opened my mind to spirituality. I went on a retreat over the weekend and when I was back on Monday I quit. It was so plain and obvious that it was the right thing to do. It had unlocked something in my mind. Yes, that's where the name unlocked came from. Since then, I've done other psychedelic trips with LSD, mushroom, ayahuasca, and DMT. I'm now reading, listening to about four books per month. I'm a huge fan of podcasts too, and started my own. I went to date with Destiny, with Tony Robbins. Personal growth and spirituality have become part of my everyday life. With Unlocked, I had started online programs and an online community. 
also running events in Sydney. I was learning a lot. That being said, in April 2019, I realized I was struggling to monetize and that I was feeling lonely. This is when I joined my network marketing company, basically a community of people who I knew were my tribe and with whom we collaborate and are vested in each other's success. It really grounded me. I could integrate all the learnings into my everyday life and with the support of like-minded people. I understood something very important, that great leaders are followers. This is why in my podcast or in my book, I interview other people. This is why I have guest speakers at my events. This is why I promote other people's events when they align. This is why I sell products from brands I resonate with. I only started to seriously play with the law of attraction a few months ago, but when I look back, I am amazed at how much I was able to do the things I wanted to do. My podcast, now a book, living between Sydney, Bali and Paris as a digital nomad. These were dreams not that long ago and it has become my life. Sometimes I pinch myself to make sure I'm not dreaming. I can now see clearly how my intention to live such a life combined with taking actions has manifested into reality. Now, of course, I have moments when I wonder what I'm doing here in the jungle, or when I take a psychedelic drug, or when I meditate and I don't speak for 10 days at a Vipassana retreat. Have I gone crazy? Have I wasted the successful life that was ahead? Have I escaped reality? I have these fears sometimes coming up, but overall I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Just to say that I don't always feel this way, but it's fine. In this book, many people have had near-death experiences, burnouts and other traumatic experiences that threw them on the personal growth path. As you've read, I often describe my path as pretty smooth compared to the usual path that leads to spirituality. Actually, it's my message. Don't wait for the traumatic event. Start meditation now. Start personal growth now. Start reading more books now. Start living the life you really want to live now. Listen to the universe when it whispers in your ear. Don't wait until it beats you up. Do it smoothly. Don't wait for the suffering to become so big that you can't handle it anymore. But I think you can always give a different angle to any story. When I look back, there is a way I could look at my path through suffering. When I realized she was a queen and I wasn't a king. That gave me the motivation to change. So here we go. About four years ago, I met and spent quality time with a woman I fell in love with. A queen. At the time, I was at the beginning of my personal growth journey and I wasn't feeling good enough. I was a bit jealous and insecure. Deep down, I knew she was too good for me. When it ended, it became my motivation to become a better person. When you think about it, it makes sense. I follow my biological programming. We can talk about saving the planet, making the world better. But one of the main motivators for men to become a better person is women. It has been like this for hundreds of thousands of years, being stronger, being more social, so we can mate and reproduce. That's how evolution has shaped us.
So when she left, I started to read books on being more successful with women. From the game, to how to be a three-person man, to models how to attract women through honesty, to the way of the superior man. When I reflect on it, this was the main kickstart in my personal growth journey. And since then, I've kept becoming a better man, stronger, more secure, wiser, more authentic, more loving. During the past few months, a vision kept coming that I was graduating from a child to a man. And not any man, a king. That archetype kept coming in my breathwork, my meditations, my planned ceremonies, and my everyday life. Not like a fat, lazy, cruel king, more like the warrior type of king, the Spartan king, a calm leader. This is the person I want to incarnate, and I'm working on it through my environment, my meditations, and my actions. I believe this is a phase many men go through, feeling like a little child and needing to become a man, and if possible, a king. So I think I'm getting closer to that now, and I feel like it's thanks to her. Don't expect any happy ending though, she found her king and she'll probably never be my queen. Still, she'll always be the little angel that showed me the way. Question 2. I've noticed that many people experience an imposter syndrome, meaning they feel not good enough either because of the opinion of other people or because of negative self-talk. What were people around you saying? Did you sometimes feel not good enough, either in your own eyes or in the eyes of other people? And how did you overcome it? This is my answer. This is such an interesting topic. I mean, that's why I asked everyone to answer it. <laughs> I have always been a reasonably confident person. I was also the smart kid, could be worse. That being said, even such an image can become a prison at some point. The kid that can't fail. It can add some pressure. When I started my journey, I faced a lot of skepticism, whether friends or family. And there still is. At first, it was a bit draining. People asking me if I wasn't, if it wasn't a waste of my education, that I was making myself unemployable, friends who thought, who does he think he is doing life coaching? I realized that my surrounding was overall not the most supportive and positive. Obviously, it was also a reflection of who I was at the time. I started putting forward this new identity through articles, posts and videos that I would share on social media. This was a powerful way for me to claim who I was from now on and make it public. A great way to consciously reshape my identity. I still use it a lot to keep peeling through the onion and letting go of whatever no longer serves me. I handle judgment way better now. I know why I do what I do, and I'm not that worried about what other people think. I think we manifest what happens to us. And I now understand that a lot of the fear of the opinion of other people I had was self-created. Sometimes out of pure imagination, I would picture in my head people mocking me while they may not even care or notice. Or I would attract criticism because I would give it importance. Either way, it was, I was creating it. 
The imposture syndrome is something I've had a lot. Every time I would do something new and outside the comfort zone, like an event or starting my podcast or this book. When I started contacting people for this book, I was so scared. I procrastinated for a few months because I thought I was not qualified to do this. After all, the people in this book are the people I was looking up to a year ago. Who was I to ask them to contribute in my book? At the end of the day, I believe that you get what you think you're worth. So I work a lot on it with an empowering environment and community, with meditations and visualizations, and by taking action. It's not about not having fear. It's not about not having doubt. It's about observing it, but taking action anyway. It will be there. I just make sure it's in the passenger seat, not in the driver's seat. This is why I now do a lot of self-love practices. This is also why I'm very careful with who I listen to, how I feed my mind. Actually, I talk about skepticism around me, but I also had a lot of support and especially a friend who showed me it was possible. He's in his, this book, Adelin de Ponteves. Why? Because he was super successful with his online programs on artificial intelligence and showed me it was possible to be very successful. It bridged that huge gap my mind was picturing between me and quote unquote successful people. Now I'm surrounded by very supportive and positive people that inspire me. I mean, look at the vulnerability and the wisdom shared in this book. I'm stoked to have these people around me. I also want to add that I don't have any resentment towards the people who criticized or mocked me. I think people are necessarily mean, but they often unconsciously project their own insecurities. I don't hold anything against anyone and I'm always happy to help. Question three, I've noticed that money often is a fear when choosing to follow your passion. Did you experience this fear and how did you overcome it? Do you make a good living from your passion today? Concretely, how do you monetize it? My answer, actually when I started Unlocked, it wasn't a fear because I had a lot of savings and I thought I didn't care about money it became a fear when I started running out. Every time I see a limiting belief, I dive into it. I had limiting beliefs around sales, so I started reading plenty of books and to sell in the streets. When I saw that my relationship with money was not good, I also started reading plenty of books on it and do more exercises like gratitude towards money or even writing a letter to money. Actually, that's what I'll share with you as my answer to this question. Dear Money, I've been wanting to send you this letter for a while, but I had been procrastinating. Why? Mainly because of the fear of the opinion of other people. That people would think I'm greedy, also because of my own self-judgment. But as you know, I'm slowly letting go of judgment and of what other people think. So now, I feel ready. I wanted to tell you that I've been quite unfair in the past. When you were around, I would take you for granted, never thanking you for making things possible, never thanking you for being there when so many people were not as lucky. Really, you've helped me get most of the things I wanted out of life and I never thank you for it. 
And when I realized there are also many things you can't offer, that happiness comes from within, I completely turned my back on you. I said you didn't matter, that I didn't care about you, that you were not important. This is not how you treat a friend. Never showing any gratitude when you help and saying you don't matter when you can't help. Anyway, I wanted to tell you that I'm sorry and that I've changed. You see, I was raised in a society that blames all kinds of things on you. I heard people say money is the root of all evils. In the movies, the villain is often very rich and the hero pretty poor. Hello Robin Hood. But did Steve Jobs or Elon Musk make money because they stole from other people? Of course not. They provided value. People talk about you like they want to have you around for themselves, but at the same time, they kept thinking everything that goes wrong in the world is because of you. So I unconsciously took on that programming. I thought you'd make me happy. Then I thought you didn't matter. I also thought if, you had, if I had more of you, I might become evil. I also thought you were the reason for some separations and drama in my life and for some of the bad things that happened to the planet. But it's not your fault if some companies, banks or people misuse you. When someone stabs someone else, you don't blame the knife, do you? So I get it now. You're a tool, an energy, you're neutral. You are simply a way to amplify what people already are. Money doesn't make people bad or greedy or generous. It makes people more what they already are. So I'm not worshipping you. You're a tool, not a goal. But I won't turn my back on you anymore. I mean, how am I going to help others if I'm not abandoned myself? As I now truly trust myself, I know that the more I have, the more I'll be able to circulate you to the right causes. The more I'll be able to scale my impact, which is beneficial to the world. The more I'll be able to support the ones I love. The more I'll be able to keep investing in my personal growth. So I'll make sure I'm grateful to have you around. Now when I pay for a plane ticket, my food or an event, I know you make it possible and I remember to be grateful. I'm also ready to have more because I know why I want you around. And I know you won't make me a bad or greedy person. I know you will only help me scale the good things I'm already doing. Let's team up and make the world better together. I hope you won't be resentful by the way I used to treat you. I hope people become more conscious about the things you make possible and stop blaming you for something you didn't do. I hope this open letter inspires many others to send you some love and respect too. Question 4. Were there any other major challenges you faced? If so, what were they and how did you overcome them? My answer. One thing I had to work on a lot was moving from a competitive mindset to one of collaborations. There is a time and place for competition, but my competitive mindset was holding me back. I think I was conditioned this way. I was doing competitive swimming, then a competitive exam to attend a top business school. But in life, it can only get you this far. I reckon the most successful people are great at leveraging collaborations. And I learn more when I'm surrounded by people who are smarter and more successful than me. Actually, the way I use collaborations through this, the podcast and the book, 
the events and network marketing is a way for me to have systems in place that remind me of this mantra. If the people around are successful, it's good for me too. So with time, I'm overriding this toxic mindset. To give you a few examples, sometimes I would look at a, how a friend's online course is doing and hope they don't do well. So when I compare, I feel better. Or sometimes I would look at a post and secretly hope it get less likes than my post. You can easily see how such a mindset is not going to help anyone. So I get it. A rising tide lifts all boats. I just still have to work on remembering it every single minute. Question five. I've noticed that there are many people who are wanting to jump in the deep end and follow their passion, but still hesitate. What would be the best advice you would give them? Answer. A lot of people talk about following your heart, following your intuition, have faith. I do agree with this and I think it makes life more beautiful. That being said, I remember even a year ago, I would still not really trust this or understand the power of doing this. So I often like to share that even a very rational approach ends up on the same conclusion. When I quit my job in November 2017, I was a very rational, it was a very rational decision. I did a pros versus cons, pros of leaving my job. If I leave and it works out well, I can live my dream life. Cons of leaving my job? If it doesn't work well, I will have to go back to finding a normal job. You can see that the opportunity completely justifies the potential cost. Look, you have one life. At the end of your life, you will regret the things you didn't do, not the things you did. People sometimes say, I'm brave, but I'm actually a coward. I'm really scared about not making the most out of this one life, and that's why I go for it. People sometimes say it's risky, but I don't think it is. The only constant in this world is change. What's risky is to resist this law of nature. I'm prepared for change. The workplace is getting very disrupted. The world is changing fast and I'm able to cope with change pretty easily. I'm way more safe than an accountant that may be made redundant by an algorithm in five years and will be completely lost then. And when it gets tough, bring some perspective and remember that a life without challenges would be boring. Listen to The Dream of Life by Alan Watts. I mean, where is the excitement in a life where you get everything you want easily all the time? Challenges are blessings. With such a mindset, there is no such thing as, as failure. One last thing. Don't let finding your purpose hold you back. At first, when I started Unlocked, it was quite ego-driven. I did it to prove to myself and others that I was good enough. I was driven by significance. It can be a good drive at first, it's okay. But as I became conscious of it, I switched to making sure I was creating from a place of abundance. From a place of being good enough and wanting to contribute. Ultimately, it brings better results because people can feel you're genuinely wanting to help and they will follow and help you. It makes it easier energetically speaking too, when you don't feel you have to prove anything. But I had to start with this need for significance 
at first to realize it. So do your best and take action. Take your best guess on your purpose and things will align more and more and refine as you go. Don't get paralysis by analysis. Don't wait to be ready. Don't wait to be perfect. You'll refine your purpose and become a better person by starting before you're ready. Question six. What is your definition of a successful life? What does success mean to you? To me, a successful life has two components. Happiness in the moment and life satisfaction. This is a distinction Nobel Prize Daniel Kahneman makes in his book Thinking Fast and Slow. Basically, at the end of my life, I want to be satisfied with it. Did I love well? Did I contribute to making the world better? Did I do my best for myself and others? But I don't want to get so busy building a life I love that I forget to live it in the moment. It's not just about crafting a beautiful life, it's about appreciating the process. So I make sure my overachieving mind doesn't prevent me from being in the now. This is why I meditate, why I do gratitude, why I journal, why I like to take time off. I'm not chasing success anymore. You can be a billionaire and not feel successful. It's subjective. I understood this when I read The Power of Now in January 2017. I was thinking, I'll do this and that is when I'm successful. But in the book, he explains how it's a mirage. I was already successful and so are you. You've already made it. This gave me the permission to go for what I wanted now, not after some milestone that never happens. So I have a successful life because one, happiness in the moment, I've learned to appreciate every moment. And two, life satisfaction, with hindsight, I feel like I make the most out of this one life. Question seven, what is the impact you want to have in the world? What I want is to live in a benevolent world where people smile and hug and we care for the planet, animals and each other. It's all up to us. It's a collective decision. I believe that in 10 years, I could be in the train in Paris and people would look as happy and open as the people I meet here in Bali. Some would sing and dance and be normal, imagine. To bring this into manifestation, I work on both who I am and what I do, on being and doing. So the impact I want to have is twofold. One is very simple and the other one quite ambitious. The simple one is that I want to be an incarnation of love and light. I want to keep smiling and hugging whoever you are. Everything and everyone is sacred and I want to treat them as such. I don't want to get so busy creating my ideal life that I forget to live it. Now, I also have bigger plans. I believe I have a few gifts. The main probably being that I'm great at gathering and empowering people. I'm very social, but also smart and intentional in the way I create collaborations and networks. So at the moment, I focus on helping conscious entrepreneurs make more impact through media exposure, networking, and helping them make money. As my impact and business grow, I will become more ambitious on the things I want to build. For example, I think in a few years, I'll be involved in building conscious nations completely autonomous 
where we define our own rules. I don't believe in changing the world. I believe in creating better ones and welcoming the people who want to join. This is already what we do in Bali. What I do with my online communities is just the beginning. If that excites you, join me and we'll bring these new worlds into manifestation together. Little note, if anything Alex in said inspires you, do a story or a post on Instagram and tag at alex.lember and at the new wave book to share with us and we will also repost. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and if you want to read more stories like this, get the book, The New Wave. More information on www.thenewwavebook.com and as always, if you like this podcast and want to support, make sure you subscribe and you can leave a nice review and you can even support financially this podcast. You have more information on unlock.me slash podcast.